I'm so excited. This is week three of a sermon series that we're calling No Church in the... So I'm going to jump right into it today. Is that all right? Here we go. Let's jump right into it. Matthew 10, 13 and read. It says, if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. What did it say? If it doesn't stand, do what? Take back the blessing. Today you have permission, if it's not working out, to take back your time, to take back your energy, to take back your emotions. Because it's not healthy for you to keep trying to sow in an area that's not accepting your seed. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Okay, okay, okay. Let your blessing what? Stand. If it's not, do what? Underline verse 14 in your heart. I know that I'm standing. I get it. So underline it in your heart. It says, if any household or town does what? Refuses to welcome who? You or they refuse to listen to whose message? Your message. What are you supposed to do? Shake the dust from your feet as you leave. What I want you to do is I want you to shake the dust off your feet and take a seat this morning because we're going to do a little bit of work this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, Pastor Martin taught a message last week called The Wild Wild World, which is really, really great. Um, I, I will be totally honest. When we do Unbox on Wednesday, who's a fan of Unbox? It's like one of my favorite segments, but I actually prefer to unbox other people's sermons because then I get to like critique them and I begin to learn things that I didn't get while I was sitting. Um, and Pastor Martin taught that message in the message before. I taught this message on uh, uh, being uh, that you're not the Samaritan. Remember how I, I spoke about how I've heard that sermon taught a million times. And people will say, you're the Samaritan. You're like the Samaritan. But in that sermon, what we found out was what? The Samaritan is Jesus. And we're actually the man that's been beaten and bloodied and we're on the ground. And what that means is that when we're talking about this thing called evangelism, if you don't know how to play your role, people will see God through you and they won't see him internally. And I don't know about you, but I'm unclean. Okay, they cap it. I don't know about you, but like I mess up every day. Like I don't know about you, but this walk with Christ, it's not a sprint and sometimes I stumble. So that means that if I introduce people to Jesus through my experience, it'll never be correct. This thing of evangelism, AWC, those of you that are watching online, I really need you to tap in. This thing of evangelism isn't about getting clout and getting a crown because you can name off 15 people that you led to Christ. That's not the point. The point is to lead people to Christ so that his heart can join with their heart. Look at your neighbor say, it's all about health. But if we begin to try to build the church based off of our reputation, the church will be full of people that are in our friends list. But they'll never know Christ. It turns into this thing that when you lead a small group, but now your friend is being fed in another small group, now you get jealous because I brought them to the Lord. But maybe what we're supposed to do is unhook people and, and not try to, you know, claim people's salvation, but rather give it to Christ. I want to make sure that those of you that are watching online, I want to apologize in front of this sermon because what I'm going to talk about today is that you do not have the right to give up on people. But we live in a time where, you know, remember what I said before, I'm going to contradict myself. It says, if it's not working out, do what? Take your emotions. Take, take, take your time. You know, uh, who was that? The Supreme Court justice was like, I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. You cut me off. I'm reclaiming my time. But if we're going to be Jesus' hands and feet, if we're going to fulfill Matthew 28, 19 by going into all the world, how many of you know that every person that you run into to share the gospel is probably not going to want to listen? But based on how you respond to those people, it'll prove if God can meet them at a later date. 
Okay, is, is that all right? Like, like, like buckling your seatbelt. So really quick, this sermon series is so important because we have to understand something. So let's go to the anchor scripture, okay? Anchor scripture. We're going to Matthew 28 and 19. The reason why we have an anchor scripture is because throughout all of the sermons, the hope while we're planning, the hope is that we will actually get to an end. I don't know about you, but I don't like watching TV series like where each episode doesn't make any sense and they don't follow. Like to me, it makes no sense. So the reason why we believe in this kingdom message, why we teach sermon upon sermon upon sermon is so that you and I never have an excuse of not having enough material to learn how to do something. If you go and download the AWC app, there's like a whole bunch of material. Like if you have an issue with anger, we did a sermon series on it. Oh, oh, they don't want to hear about anger. You know what? Uh, if, if you have an de- issue with pride, there's a whole sermon series on it. But the thing is, is that us as human beings, we will tr- try to act a certain way and then blame it on there's not enough information. But there are books. There are YouTube videos. There are other relationships with people that can help us. So can we do something this morning? Can you raise your right hand? Like, look at your neighbor and say, I solemnly swear to be accountable for my own actions. Yeah, can, can we do that? Can we destroy one of the biggest sins in the world, which is not addiction, which is not anxiety? It's called self-righteousness. Yeah, because we like to say that that person's an alcoholic. Yeah, but if you're prideful, you, you, you need Jesus too. Somebody say you need Jesus too. So we're talking about this place called the wild. The wild um, is what's depicted in movies like Jumanji, Jurassic World. The last two were trash. Don't come at me. The best one that ever came out came out in 1994. Don't play with me, okay? But the CG is trash. Listen, sir, okay, I'm a 90s baby. I love old movies. Um, There's other parts in the wild like Indiana Jones. Anybody Indiana Jones fans? Okay, so the wild are these areas where no man has ever been, but we as men, we as humans, we try to discover anything and everything. They say that we've only discovered 5% of the ocean. Now, I don't know about you. Has anybody ever been on a cruise boat before? There's a lot of water out there. And if what we have, if we've only known this much, the question is, how much more is there? God thinks the same thing about people. What if I told you that you only know 5% of your family? But I've known my dad for 40 years, but I promise you, you don't really know him. So I, so I flip, you still have to flip that thing, right? In certain parts of the ocean, if you go too deep, the pressure will destroy you. And how many of you know that some people's lives are very, very deep? Okay, now they were, but now y'all, okay. Like, people's lives are deep. And when you start to have coffee with somebody, the more sips they take, the deeper that thing goes. But the problem with going deep into people's lives is that there's pressure. This is what I want to make sure that you understand. Those of you that are watching online and those of you that are in the room. A lot of people in the room would have you think that they have nothing going on that they can't control. But everybody has something in their life that they have no control over. It's called the wild. Some of you, it's your families. Some of you, it's your eating habits. I'm going to eat 5,000 calories today, and I want you to say something about it. Some of us, it's our compulsion. That's the immature question. They ask the question of, is it okay if? A maturing Christian asks, will this get me closer to Christ? But this is the crazy thing about Jesus. This is the whole sermon. The kingdom message says that Jesus built himself for the deep. It says that he is able to enter into people's lives and go down to the deepest part of your life where no man can go. So what ends up happening is people end up getting church hurt because they're looking for people to fill a need in in their life that only God can go to the depths of. They didn't do it for me. They weren't built to. 
AWC, people that are watching online, you as a human do not have what people need to be saved. That is why evangelism is so important. That's why every time that you look in the word, somebody says, hey, come with me and meet a man. They say, I've heard of a man. Because this is the thing. If they begin to think that salvation comes through you, they'll never get to God. And the whole point of this thing called Christianity, called religion, we don't really believe in that, but I know that somebody that's watching, I don't want to destroy it for you yet. You might not have known me yet. So this whole thing about how God works, the whole point is to get people to Christ, not to your small group. But pastor, small groups are important. Yes, they aid in your heart getting to God. If you don't tithe, that's on you. It's about your relationship with Christ not your ability to be able to download an app. But if we begin to relegate our relationship with Christ by building the church through man-made objects, we're going to miss the mark. It's more important that every single church that's in the, uh, I'm sorry, every single chair that's in the church be filled with people that actually have relationship with Christ. What if the church was actually filled with people that were chasing after Jesus as much as they were chasing after promotion? Like truly, what if we came to the service to hear a sermon about how we can get closer to God rather than how we can get some more money in our pocket? Maybe the world would see people that aren't money hungry, that aren't prosperity hungry, but people that are saying, hey, the reason why my life looks the way that it is isn't because I'm smart. It's because I know a man named Jesus. Would you like to meet him? So this sermon series, this whole intro that I just did is very important because the reason why we live our lives in freedom, the reason why we teach about being prosperous and, and being a great person isn't just so that you can enjoy it by yourself. It's so that you can share the experience with any and every person that God gives you an opportunity to come into contact with. Does that make sense? So here we go. Let's go to Matthew 10, 4 through 8. Um, I'm going to teach from the word. Can somebody say the word? Somebody say the word. I'm not going to teach you based off of my opinion. I'm not going to teach you based off of my own beliefs, but I'm going to teach you based off of what was written in the word of God so that I can prove to each and every person here that we do not have the right to give up on people. Because how many of you know that God had a right to give up on you? But guess what? He didn't. So if we're supposed to be like Christ, remember we're not the Samaritan. I'm teaching good already. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting so hyped. I didn't sleep last night, so like I'm trying to figure it out. Okay, all right, Mr. John, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, anyway, if we're supposed to be like Christ, then that means that we have to emulate his character. Remember that time when you prayed that prayer, God, if you get me out of this one and he got you out? Did he abandon you when you went back to the stuff that you asked him to deliver you from? What did he do? He was right there. So if people are going to meet God, they're not going to meet, they're going to meet community before they meet him. So if we're all discombobulated in here, they're going to think that God is the same. If every time that we meet somebody because we've been saved for 15 years, no, you used to be a whole drunk in 78, sir. But now, since you're free, any person that smells like Jack Daniels, you can't be in the proximity of them. Maybe the reason why God came to the depths and the murky parts of your life is to send you back to the depths because you know what it feels like to be there. I'm teaching. I'm teaching. I'm teaching. I'm teaching. So the point of the matter is this. Get your freedom. Serve. Go to church. But if you get to the end of your line and you have not shared about the freedom in your life with at least one person, yeah, you get to go to heaven, but you didn't fulfill the objective of Matthew 28. It says, go into 
all, not just the people you're comfortable with. All the world includes people you don't like. All the, all the world includes people uh, that voted differently than you. All the world is, is people that didn't get vaccinated. All the world is people that have different races and cultures. The point of this is this. God didn't come to earth to save just the world. He came to save the world, not just yours. So we're supposed to be ambassadors. That's the reason. I don't know why I feel so strongly on this moment right now. The reason why you're called an ambassador is to be like the person from the U.S. that's in Pakistan right now that is making sure that the kingdom of the United States is in that country. We're not supposed to run when stuff starts to blow up. We're not supposed to run when fires go out. We have the son of the living God on the inside of us. So this is what I'd like to solicit to you today. As you're listening to this sermon, I hope to eradicate all types of fear and ambiguity when it comes to evangelizing because Jesus isn't coming to your house he sent you He's, God talk to my husband you married him therefore if God is in you you can represent who he is God you need to come to my job my boss is tripping I'm not coming to your job God starts to ask this question if Jesus was on the cross about to die and he's asked can you come here God was probably like Jesus I sent you look at your neighbor say I sent you I want you to write this point down. You've already been equipped to reach those close to you. Let's go to the word. I know it's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it with the word. Somebody say, prove it with the word. I wore a suit today because I want you all to hear me. You feel me? All right. Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them what? Authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Let's jump to verse 5. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Look at your neighbor and say instructions. Once you instruct somebody on how to do something, if you've done your due diligence, what else do they need outside of your instructions? Nothing. If I tell you you're supposed to do point one and then you do point two and then after you do point two, you do point three. If I've done my due diligence, what more do you need? If I tell you how to tie your shoe, should you need a wrench to tie your shoe? But that's how silly we look. We try to bring man-made objects into a God-made plan. And then we'll say things like this. God, I can't reach them. I'm nervous. God said, I didn't say anything about being, you being nervous. I just told you that I've given you authority. So maybe God's authority trumps our anxiety. And COVID, COVID, which is really interesting, this pandemic has conditioned all of us to think that we're introverted and that people are sick. But I don't know about you, but when I was in my depth, when I was in my wild, somebody didn't think that I was too dirty to come and chase. I didn't want to go to God because I was afraid of God, but somebody that knew God came into my, okay, y'all really, y'all need to help me. Somebody knew that I wasn't going to come and give my life to Christ again because I had done this a million times. But somebody who knew God had, had a conversation with me and said, hey, bro, let me reintroduce you to the man. Maybe one of the reasons why people are afraid to go to God is because they've never been there before. You should introduce them and then go with them. Here we go. I, I'm teaching good. This is so good to me. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Write these down. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Now, the question is why? Jesus already knew the Gentiles and the Samaritans have already made up their mind that I am not the son of God. This is what I'm trying to tell you. One thing that we love about being in the South is that as soon as you land, you know who mess with you and you know who don't. It's very clear. It's very, very, very clear. You know what I'm talking about. Some parts of Omaha are like that. You know, like, wow, I am not at home. But what does that do for you? It helps you give your energy to where you need to go. I want you to write this down. Stop trying to be the voice of God in areas where he doesn't give you grace. 
If every time you're communicating with somebody, you get to the point where you're like, ah, maybe you don't have grace to talk to them. Man, I can't stand them. Now, if they're your kids or your husband, woe unto you because you got to figure that thing out. But if you have the opportunity to remove yourself from relationships and scenarios that cause you anxiety, you don't get to become a martyr. I'm tarrying for Jesus. No, you're, you're taking on anxiety for no reason. It's like the girlfriend that keeps on talking to you about the friend that she has that she can't stand, but she keeps going to get coffee with her. Like, sis, why do you keep hanging out with her? Well, she does my nails good. Well, is that worth it? It's worth it. But only to the people of who? Only to the people of Israel, God's who? Lost sheep. Before God can go and get the lost people that don't know him, he's got to capture the lost people that do. God can't reach people that don't know him if the people that know him are acting a fool. Because guess what? You are the proof of his glory. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. I'm going to have fun. Is that okay if I have fun this morning, Jason? Is that all right? Okay. All right. Go and announce to them that what? The prosperity gospel is near. That, the, that, 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 that a teaching of grace is near. L let me mess with, 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 your, with your ethic. That a kingdom of inclusion is near. No. Go and tell them that there's a man named Jesus who died on a cross to save their soul so they can go back into some messed up stuff so that they can represent the king. Wait a minute. That's, that's, people are like, that's not the gospel. It, most definitely it is. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the Pastor taught on this last week real good, so you should know. He, he came to save the worlds. But the only way that God can save the worlds is if he has a, point at yourself, say a representative. He's omnipotent, but he gets more glory when you do the part. Glory to God. Here we go. This is the part that's really important because we're not just called to save people so they can go to heaven. Look what he tells them to do. He says, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I, I, want, you, I want you to write these down. These, these are the four things in this scripture. This is not my opinion. I'm just breaking it down so it's practical. The tools that you need to help people come to Christ the tools that you need, not just to build the church, but to build up the people around you. Uh, I think it was Apostle Jay-Z that said, like, you ain't got bread if your people ain't eating. Oh, y'all save, save. From the 9-9 to the 2000s, oh, y'all, this right side be doing something different, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so he's, he's basically saying that there are four things that you should do. It's, it has nothing to do with your complex with your race, your ethnicity, it has nothing to do with what you think. He gives you everything you need right here in verse 8. It says, heal, raise, cure, cast out. Say it with me. Say heal, raise, cure, cast out. One more time. Say heal, raise, uh, Here we go. Heal. Heal means to become healthy again. If the people in your vicinity as your friends are not progressing in health, you're not proclaiming the good news. It's not just about bringing them to church so that they can serve. You're supposed to be in that place of brokenness so that they're actually getting better day by day. Can I make this practical? Somebody say practical. Heal, raise. What does raise mean? Raise means that you are sent into people's lives to lift and move them to a higher position. If you are the smartest person in your group, that's not a problem, but you should be using all of your energy to get everybody else in your group to the same level. And here's the thing, when they don't get it, you don't have the right to be frustrated with them. 
because the person that taught you didn't get frustrated when you didn't get it. I don't understand what it is. When you've been practicing financial literacy for 20 years, then you get upset when people don't know how to make a budget. You were there 20 years ago. Don't become so separated from how God dealt with you 20 years ago that now somebody that just met Jesus, like it's supposed to be, somebody say progression, not perfection. But if we teach a message of perfection, Jesus will never see people that aren't perfect. I don't know about you, I'm not perfect. People would think that you're perfect because then when they mess, when they mess up, they use you as a pedestal to justify their sin. But look at it. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Heal. Raise. What's the next one? Cure. Cure means that you are supposed to provide relief from symptoms of disease and condition. When your friend is having an anxiety fit, when they get with you, it shouldn't be there. Just because you're in their space. When your friend is dealing with depression and anxiety, when you get in my car, it's not that I don't love you. I just don't love what's on you. When you get into this car, doesn't matter how much I know, I hear you. I ain't got a car. When you get on the mat bus, when you're walking and you got swamp booty, you know what I'm talking about? You got sweat all around. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, let's just make it practical. Wherever we go as the sons of God, we should be raising people up everywhere. Which means that your words have power. Remember, we talk about that life and death is in the power of the tongue. But how many of you guys know that your tongue is a sword? And we can cut people down even if we think that we're justified in being real. Girl, she just needed to know. No, you're evil, ma'am. I just keep it real. You already know. You know I ain't got no filter. Jesus didn't create any man without filter. He called it the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, grow up! You've known God for 20 years and you're still five. Like, grow up. We're still dealing with drinking alcohol. Like, just grow up. Okay, let me get back to it. What we say? Heal, raise, cure, cast out. Say it with me now. Uh, uh, uh. That was sweet, wasn't it? Anyway, cast out. Heal, become healthy again. Raise, lift or move to a higher position. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Cure, provide relief from symptoms and cast out. In your life, if you have people around you that are dealing with stuff that didn't come from God, what are you talking about, Pastor Joshua? Anxiety didn't come from God. Depression didn't come from God. Uh, 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 being abused physically, uh, mentally, spiritually didn't come from God. Dealing with anxiety and depression didn't come from God. So if there's any of that stuff around the people that you love in your house, in your friends, you're supposed to cast it out. And casting out means to remove so that it will never be seen again. This is why here in the kingdom, we believe in this thing called Freedom, not deliverance. Deliverance is making sure that what's, uh, is taking what you had on and throwing it away. But guess what? If I throw it away, you can go back into trash and ball it up. A dog will throw up, walk away, and be disgusted by it. Come back and be like, oh, shoot, hors d'oeuvres. And eat it up. People were the same. That's the reason why your friend that's in the abusive relationship, and not all of them are physical. Some of them are mental and spiritual. And not all of them are between lovers. Can we make this very practical? Sometimes it's this reason. Sometimes people do not know how to deal with true love because they've never seen it. So if somebody in your life is dealing with a familiar spirit, I had a friend like that. He'd always do like this thing. He'd be like, yeah, like he's talking to somebody else. I'm like, bro, if that ain't the Holy Spirit, you got to walk because <laughs> this, this ain't it. You ain't spend the night at my house doing no. You got to go somewhere. You mean we can't be friends? Not with the freakiness. No, I'm, I'm sorry. What I say? Heal. Become healthy again. Somebody say raise. raise. Lift or move to a higher position. Somebody say cure. cure. To provide relief from symptoms. Somebody say cast out. cast out. 
removed to never be seen again. I want you to write this down. You were supposed to use the lens of God to see sickness in people. If we use our lens to see sickness in people, we'll use our pride that we all come pre-default equipped with. Everybody has pride. We'll use our lens to look at the sin in other people's lives to push us away. But when we use the lens of God, we see the dirtiness in people's lives. We see the stuff that we used to be, that used to have in our life, and we begin to become closer. Isn't it interesting that in every single scenario that Jesus laid hands on somebody, he laid on them, they're all the type of people that we try to justify walking away from. Oh, y'all quiet. Okay, the woman at the well, bro, she's sleeping around. Jesus said, oh, yeah, let me get closer and hug her. Men had leprosy, which means that their limbs was falling off. And if you touch them, it's contagious. But Jesus said, what? Oh, yeah, let me dab dude up. Maybe the reason why you have freedom is because now you have an antidote that's untouchable. <laughs> let me tell you another lie from the world. You need to separate yourself from depressed people. If you're free, you shouldn't have to. Now, let me make this PSA. Prayer is important. Prayer is like our first response, not our last resort. There's a lot of stuff you should pray first in. We go to prayer last. After it's over, like, God, like, bro, that's, your, that's the first tool I gave you. But how many of you guys know that therapy is very important? Oh, how many of you guys know that there is such thing as Christian-based therapy? People who will give you an antidote to your physical need, but they'll also give you a prescription that's called Scripture. Yeah. You know, you, you want to know something? Some people will never get what they need from a sermon, but they, need to, they will get it from somebody sitting across from them that tells them that their breath smells. It is impossible to do the Christian walk correctly without discipleship. If you're doing it alone and you're not accountable to anybody, the Bible says that you're cursed. That's in Philippians. <laughs> Which means that this conversation of Christians saying, I can do bad all by myself, you are doing bad by yourself. Everybody's real cool about being by themselves. I'm all one. They never mess with me until Thanksgiving comes. Because Thanksgiving is a strong reminder that Christmas, I'm going to be by myself. And I don't know about you. I have the money to buy my own presents, but I'd much rather spend my time and not my money with the people that I love. But guess what, Christian? You've got to be nice in order to have people around you that love you. And we can't use Christianity as a sword all the time. Sometimes we need to use it as a comforter. Okay, let me go. Somebody say point number two. Let's go, to, let's go to verse number nine. Jesus tells the, he, before he sends them, somebody say before he sends them, he instructs them. Jesus says in, in, in verse number nine, he says, don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. They probably, you want us to smell? Yes, I want you to go natural. Okay, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because underline this, those who work deserve to be fed. What if the point of how you got your crown is by introducing people to God? What if when you get to heaven, like God loves that you serve. He loves that you tithe. He loves that you attend. But I think that God's going to ask Joshua a question when I get up to heaven. If I'm like 80, I hope I'm 120 because that's what you promised me. That's what you promised. So, you know. Um, but I think he's going to ask me another question. Hey, you remember that person that was on the side of the road that you walked past? Like, they, that wasn't an inconvenience, that was an opportunity. So why didn't, you, why didn't you share me there? I think Jesus sometimes feels like the side chick. Why don't we go out in public? Girl, I don't want nobody to know what we're doing. Why we only do Uber Eats? Man, girl, you know I love you. They improve it, man, you know. I don't want to be seen with you. But I'll mess with you in 
private. And I will expect for you to do things for me outside of the marriage bed in private, but I won't actually do what a husband's supposed to do in public. And we treat God like he's a prostitute. God, I'm cool with you in my private prayer life. Give me what I need when I want it. I'm cool with that. But my friend Stacy, who has depression, she has a chemical imbalance in her brain and she needs pills. But you never pray for her. Let's make this practical. Before Jesus gave anybody a lesson, guess what he did? He loved them. So maybe by us giving love, guess what? When you give love, the word of God says that God is love. So when you give love, you're also giving God incognito. But here's a PSA announcement. If they're not going to love you in private, you can't bet on them to give you everything that you need in public. Uber Eats and DoorDash at the apartment laid up for It's going to get boring at a while. It's, it's, it's going to get annoying at some point. That person's going to ask, if you love me, then prove it. And God is asking the same question. If you love me, why don't you share me with people that you know are just as broken as you are? I'm not some chia pet that you keep in the closet. Remember Hey Arnold? Helga had that, uh, that gum sculpture of Hey Arnold, you know, and she would always go, because oh, she loved him so much. Yeah, you don't get to keep your Christianity in the closet when it's convenient. It should be on display everywhere that you go. This is what I tell my friends all the time. Don't ask me about no advice if you ain't willing to pray first. Because I don't have any advice for you. But I know this word like the back of my hand. Oh, that sounds like Philippians 7, 17. Oh, that sounds like Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, that sounds like John 3, 16. Bro, you so churchy. I am because the word saved my life. None of my friends have ever saved my life. Okay. None of my friends have ever saved my life. None of my family members have ever saved my I don't know one person on earth that would be willing to die for me except for my boo. Hey, wife. But she can't save my soul. So why wouldn't we give people the life preserver that they need to save their life? Look at your neighbor. Say, people are drowning. Verse 11, whenever you enter a city or village, do what? Search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When we look at the word worthy, it's not to say that we get to say people are unworthy. When the word of God says worthy, it's the same word as paraclete. You know what paraclete is? Paraclete is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? I'm going to leave you a helper. When the word of God here says worthy in the Greek, it says that you were sent as the paraclete to people that you live with. The reason why you have friends that are down and out is because you're the reason they're to help. So, so Jesus says to them, go to a house that I am sending you to, which means that you are, you are assigned to your family. But I hate them. That's the reason why you were born. No, 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 no. Like, hear me. Please zoom in. Like, let's get practical. For the mom that's sitting there holding a baby, I know that he got you pregnant and left. But maybe the way in which you love him will make sure that that man, and I know, trust me, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But God loves him too. But the way in which you get free, ma'am, holding that child and feeding him right now, the way that you get free is when you no longer hate people that hurt you. And you start to love them. I know it sounds crazy. Everybody in here, they got it. But I'm talking to you, the person that's watching online. Bro, the person that's sitting there with the 40 and everybody keeps talking to you like you're a drunk. Yeah, we, you already know you're a drunk. But the point is this. Maybe the reason why you're so okay with alcohol is so that you can go to the club and witness the people there at the bar. Oh, y'all don't, don't like that. Oh, that's not Christian? But guess what? People that go to bars are not going to meet up here. That's why, look at your neighbor, say go. 
You don't treat the sick in the house. You treat the sick in the hospital. Now, let, let me give you a PSA. For those of you that have um, a per, uh, an inclination with the sauce, don't use that as an excuse. Well, pastor said to go to the bar. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> the word of God says that you're supposed to be wise, too. I know people are like, man, I was about to. But the weed man needs Jesus, too. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> I man, you mean I can't light one up with them and talk about Jesus? Yeah, those are really lofty conversations. <clears throat> Whenever you enter a city or village, can we have fun this morning? Okay, all right. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. I want you to write this down, please. A person who wants to hear will provide you the space to share. If a person really wants to listen to you, they're going to give you the space to talk. Maybe one of the ways that we can shut the dust off of our feet is stop trying to talk to people with closed ears. And I don't know about you, but America has selective hearing today. Just very selective. Like, it doesn't matter who says what. It doesn't matter. Jesus could come down and say, peanut butter will cure all your sadness. There will be somebody that will bold-faced look in Jesus' face and be like, no, it won't. There will be somebody else that will ask, well, Jiffy's better than Peter, uh, Peter Pan. And then there will be a race riot over peanut butter. We're hard of hearing. But let me give you some of the ways that you can tell. Because this is the thing. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. All of you have somebody in your life right now who is willing to listen to you share about Jesus. We just don't know how to pick them out. So let me give you a cheat code. You ready? They desire to be physically close to you. Where we're from in the South, my granddaddy does this all, this all the time. Son, get out my light. That basically says you're too close to me. I can't see the sun. My uncles also say, bro, get from up underneath me. It's too hot for that. But one way that you can tell that people want to listen to you is when they're always asking to be in your space. There's a reason why, ma'am, little Johnny, well, Johnny pees in the bed. I get it. I know he's five. Get over it. But there's a reason why little Johnny likes spending the night at your house with your son, and it's not because of Xbox. It's not because of Wi-Fi. It has really nothing to do with how big your house is. I know a lot of you, they have bigger houses. You're in an apartment. Why does this little boy want to be over at my, my house all the time? It's because you have peace. I can't stand them. They always want to be right, but not right beside me. Maybe because they're looking for something that God has given you grace to carry. Somebody say yes. yes. They regularly solicit your advice. He's always asking me questions. Maybe because he didn't have a father, sir. You're the oldest man that he knows that's doing well. Why would you cut him off from an opportunity to learn? It's always interesting to me, and it breaks my heart when older men, when older men say, like, no, I don't want to be a mentor. Sir. <laughs> There is a world of dying young men that all they need, they don't need your advice. They just need to smell your cologne. Yeah, they, 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 they need somebody that's stronger than them to wrap them up and tell them that they're loved. Man, get off of me with all that fruity stuff. No, sir, let me show you what you've never had before. I think that if our young men were hugged more often, they would squeeze less triggers. Let me, let me get back to it, though. Let me get back to it. They confide in you. The tough places they are in. Man, every time I, I'm hanging out with this person, bro, they bring me to the deep and the darkest. Maybe because you are a light. Every time we talk, we talk about how his dad left him when he was four. Maybe instead of saying that's an inconvenience, maybe flip your perspective and say, this person trusts me enough to relive this, tra this trauma in their life. I don't know what it's like not to have a dad. 
But I was trying to ask myself, why do all of these fatherless kids, like in middle school, in high school, in college, like they all want to be friends with me. And it wasn't so much that I had a dad. I think it was because I didn't know enough to judge them. Sometimes you can know too much and judge people based off of what you know. But if you judge people based off of what you know, you are always wrong. Well, Stacy told me Stacy is in everybody's business. How do you know that Stacy didn't mix up your story with the other girlfriend from the other place and with the other person in the grocery store? When people begin to gossip, it's impossible for them to separate what's the truth from the lie. And nine times out of ten, since we're wicked people, we will always gravitate towards the lie. And we mass produce these personas that people can't break down. Then we wonder why they don't come to church. It's because you started a lie that they can't defend. Oh, they're getting quiet. Here's another cheat code. This person invites you into their vulnerable spaces in their lives. The next is that they frequently talk about subjects that most wouldn't dare talk about. Can I share with you something? Hey, black man, when your white friend asks a racist question, don't shut down. Okay, let me, let me talk to your, to your skin. Maybe they are vulnerable enough to actually peel back their prejudice, and God has called you to read all of those books and watch all those documentaries so that you can teach them that it's not about race, but it's about a God that made the rainbow. Okay? Yeah. A young lady, when a woman that has, a young lady has come to you and she's pregnant out of wedlock, before you say, oh, you can't be used by God, don't forget that you were her 17 years ago. Hey, bro, when you're dealing with addiction and now you're saved and somebody else comes to you that smells like what you used to deal with, you can't, if you're not, if you're not free, you don't need to mess with it. But if you've got freedom in the Holy Ghost, you should be able to stand in the gap with that person and be able to share the good news with them despite on how they look and how they sound. Anybody in the room, you had that person that loved you despite of how you looked. And look at your neighbor and say, I was, I was, I was a mess. Oh, the left side today. Like, I was a mess. I, the saved me now wouldn't have messed with the bent up Joshua then. But somebody didn't see me through their experience with me. They saw me through, can somebody say God's lens? Verse 13, if it turns out to be a worthy home, meaning that the people that you're with they're reciprocating the energy that you're giving back to them. Remember, it's not always going to be let's go to church. Sometimes it's going to be let's go to coffee, okay? Sometimes it's not going to be come to my small group. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I guess I have this anointing to sit on the phone with people as they cry. And it don't make no sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, bro, I, I, how could she do that? Like, how did, the, how did that happen? But there's just as much anointing using your weekend minutes as there is using holy oil at the altar. Like, I'm saved everywhere, not just here. Okay. God can use me everywhere. Not just, if I'm only potent on Sunday, I only get you for an hour and a half. So that means that for my entire life, for 52, for 52 weeks, for 52 weeks, I can only account for an hour and a half of using God's grace? No, I need his grace when I go to the restroom. I need his grace when I go to Baker's. I need, I need his grace when I'm in Walmart and the mom that's been struggling and you think she has bad kids. No, she's tired. These kids aren't bad, they're tired. Have you ever asked them, when was the last time that Johnny ate? No, what we do is you look at your kid, don't you, ever in your life. But remember, your child has stability. Why would we judge people for unstable lives when the only stable thing that they have is a relationship with you?
That's like trying to judge a climbing competition and then like harassing a fish. You can't climb this tree. And the fish is like, <laughs> and he talks to his other fish. Like, like I, bro, I got, I, got, I got fins. If people don't have freedom, they're going to experience your freedom before they experience freedom from Christ. That's why you have to be free. So it's not, this conversation about sin isn't about getting to heaven. This conversation about sin is about you being free enough for people that are broken to see you and want what you have. But if you live your life for 50 years knowing Jesus, but you haven't gotten free yet, we got an issue. But you know every scripture, you know how to wear your dress all the way down. It's messing with some of y'all. Y'all can see my ankles. But guess what? Seeing my ankles isn't going to send me to hell, but not knowing a God that loves me will. So our job isn't to judge them based off of what they wear. Okay, I know I'm teaching. Somebody say teach. Our job isn't to judge them based off of who they decide to be in relationship with. Our job is to present them with the God who reintroduces them back to character. The cure to being a drunk is sobriety. It's Jesus. <laughs> the cure to being a liar isn't the truth. It's relationship with Christ. The cure of fornication isn't wearing a contraceptive or practicing abstinence. It's knowing God so you understand that what he has put in your body should be shared with one person. Not because you want to, but because he said it. I'm... So we can begin to proclaim this false gospel that doesn't want people to serve because we don't think they're saved enough to hold a position. But I don't know about you. I'm not saved enough to do this. I'm walking in this thing called grace. But we as humans, we have a very small amount of it. Somebody lift your hand and say, God, give me more grace. Like, I need, I need more grace. I need more grace. I need, you don't need patience. You need grace. I need more grace, Jesus. Because at some point in time in your life, you're going to meet you 30 years ago. And you're going to be given an opportunity to see you in them. Or if you reject them, you're going to have to deal with your own self-righteousness. Because now you're so... Joshua can become so removed from what God did in his life that now I'm, I can't even recognize that the same God that I needed, my friend down the street that I'm willing to play Xbox with, I'm willing to go to Chicago for a weekend with, but I would never call him and say that, hey, bro, you know, we can't keep doing this. If you can live your life around unsaved people and not be saved, you're the problem, not them. Who's the problem? Me. If I'm the one that's saved and they're living crazy. I tell my sister and my wife this all the time. Like, we'll see stuff on the news and people freak out. I'm in this place in my life like, where if I don't have control of it, I don't care. At, like, I don't, I, I don't care. So when I see stuff on the news and people are like, can you believe? I'd be like, believe what? Because I don't watch the news. And then they get crazy and I'm like, why would you, okay, why would you get surprised when the world does world stuff? Like, why, I don't. The president. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't did you vote for him? I voted, but I just did that so that my ancestors wouldn't weep. I don't vote for him. Can I be Joshua? I don't care about no government. It's necessary. Now, if you want to talk about government and the nonprofit side that's, feeling, that's feeding the sick, oh, yeah, and taking care of those that aren't eating and beating and battered women's shelters, oh, yeah, my tax dollars go there. But if you want me to wear red or blue to dictate who is over my life, I wear a crown, and it comes from Jesus. So, so when I watch CNN, no, let me say I don't watch television. I got bigger and better things to do. 
I'd rather go to the word and listen to something that is truth telling me who I am than to watch a television that doesn't know where I live. My grandmama would beat me if I didn't vote. Even if I don't like who's on there, you better write somebody in. Daffy Duck. All right, there it is. Daffy Duck has 200,000 votes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Glory. Okay, point, uh, point number three. Look at your neighbor and say, don't allow the dust to distort your vision. Yeah. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, is this good? Okay. Take back your blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, this is the verse that we, that we uh, talked about in the beginning. Shake the dust from your feet as you leave. I want you to write this down. Do a good job of shaking the dust off your feet, but don't let the dust from your feet settle on your heart. Growing up, um, my granny loved pledge. My granny used pledge for everything. TV screen, pledge. The floors, pledge. We got some spit on our face. Pledge. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And me and my sister, we would take like these really beaten rags and we would stay with them for the summer for three weeks. I mean, for three months. And uh, back when summers were three months, like we got to play. Now these kids, they lay down on summer break, wake up, back to school. That's like, <laughs> and all the parents said, wow, y'all trash. Y'all terrible. All y'all. <laughs> um, but we used to uh, dust in the house, and my granny would always say, baby, you got to start from the top down. Oh, y'all oh, domesticated too. Yeah, all right. <laughs> granny would say, you got to start, start from the top. Because if you start from the bottom, you'll keep running into dust, right? When you look at people, you shouldn't start from the bottom that they're addicted. You should start from the top. They're a son of God. Okay. Because if you start at the bottom, you're going to run into stuff that's going to justify who you are. You don't even like looking at yourself naked in the mirror. Y'all capping. I love my body. No, you don't. That's depression speaking. That wasn't a joke. There are young girls, even in this church, that are dealing with depression. They're not cutting themselves because a boy doesn't like them. They don't know who the image of God is on the inside of them. It has nothing to do with a boy liking them. It has everything to do with, ma'am, you were made in the image of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Take that home with you and teach that to your girls. I can't do it. Go and do it. But if we start from the top, we see the image of God. But if we start from the bottom, we start with dust. And when you start with dust, your rag will get dirty before you get to the places that really need cleaning. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Woo. Then what will happen is you'll start to take that dusty, dirty rag and think that you're cleaning other things, but all you're doing is cross-contaminating the dust all around the house. And some people don't want to hear about Christ from you because of the third person you just talked to. You didn't shake the dust off, and now they see you through a dusty lens. Let's go back to the word. No opinion. Let's go back to the word. Let's define this word dust. Somebody say define. Dust is fine, dry powder consisting of tiny particles of earth or waste matter lying on the ground or on surfaces or carried in the air. The point of this entire scripture is that Jesus is beginning to prepare the hearts of the disciples before they go out and begin preaching the gospel of the good news. You want to know what dust looks like on your lens when you see people? Jealousy. 
I've literally heard it that some people don't want their friends to be jealous because they're likable and they run their relationship at the church. But if their likable friend comes to the church, they feel like they're going to lose their church friends. You, you want to know what else? D- uh, is dust on our lens? Somebody say, yeah, I want to know. And y'all don't want to know. They're like, oh, I don't want to. Pride. Thinking that we are so much better than people that I want all my friends. Literally saying, I want all my friends to live in bondage so that I can be the, be the hero. But I want you to write this down. Transformation in Christ begins at the end of your fear to witness. Transformation in Christ for people that are lost doesn't start with God. It starts with you. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're the disciple. Like, you're one of Jesus' 12 that he sent out. It's just that you're not going to Samaria. You're going to the Smith family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going to H&R Block on tomorrow. You're going to UNO tomorrow. So now the mission field, because we like to look at the word and be like, wow, them boys had a bad. He was sending them all over the country. No, 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 no. You are the disciple. Remember, we talked about this in, in sermon number one. Matthew 28 is you. You are, the, you are the person that he's sending out. But if we begin to disqualify where we've been planted, everything around us begins to die. If you uproot a tree, how long does it have to live? Not very long. Why? Because it needs a source. I want you to write this down on the tablet of your heart. You are the source of life in the areas that you want to leave. If you leave that friend group, you can give up on them. Those of you that are struggling with this thing of like being married, trust me, I've lived in AWC, I've been here at AWC for so long and I've seen people that were in your same situation break up, get divorced, and then come back together and the second marriage is like more fire than the first. But when you work through that thing and you allow people to see it and you allow God in that situation, guess what? You give other people that are dealing with the spirit of divorce in their family, you give them hope to stand. When, when you're transparent about the shady business deal that you had that the taxes are coming for, somebody just started sweating, Lord have mercy. <laughs> when you allow God into that situation, God can give you an idea that will actually make it lucrative for you, and you can call it a business where you help single moms and single dads get their money together. AWC, the reason why you are dealing with the stuff in your life isn't just to kill it and move on. It's to kill it and make a byproduct out of it and sell it to your friends and family. The one thing I wish David would have done is once he cut cut uh, uh, Goliath's head off, he should have mass-produced the sword and sold it to people so they could kill the Goliaths in their lives. The reason why we believe in this thing so strong here, love, hope, dominion, and power, is because we want you to feel that on other days besides Sunday. The vision of AWC doesn't live until you have love, hope, dominion, and power on a random Thursday at 7 p.m. It shouldn't be that you get love, hope, dominion, and power while you're in the shower at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you need love everywhere. You, You need hope everywhere. You need dominion everywhere. You need power everywhere. If the only place where you have love, hope, dominion, and power is in here, you might, like, we, God should just take us to be in glory. Because there's a soul in heaven that is waiting to come to earth to take your spot to sing about the goodness of God. But I'm not going to let somebody get in my place to talk about a God that I know. Ain't no way. How disrespectful would that be for a rock to crowd in your place? We always talk about it. And a rock will not cry out of my place. Yeah, but, it, but for, for some of you, rocks are screaming. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be like the rock. I want people to hear about how good God is from my lips. I remember one time I was in school and I was afraid to talk to a guy about Jesus. And another friend of ours invited him to this camp. It's called Camp Moses Merrill. I don't know if you guys ever went. But they drop you off for a month. Now, I'm a black kid from, from North O that moved out to West O. So, like, I'm still trying to figure out the culture. And my friend invited me and I went, right? But another guy invited another friend of ours that I was too afraid to talk to. And he ended up having that conversation with that friend that I was too afraid to talk to, and he brought him to Christ. And I felt jealousy in my heart. Wait a minute. One of the best things that's ever happened to my friend, to my friend Mark, best thing that ever happened to him, he gave us up to Christ. But now I'm jealous of my friend Sean because he had the boldness to tell about a God that both of us knew. He wasn't smarter than me. Sorry, Sean, you can't talk better than me. Sorry. But guess what? He wasn't afraid. I want you to write this down on your heart. If you're too afraid to tell them about Jesus, God may be too afraid to accept you into his kingdom. What if you got your crown based off of not being afraid to speak about his name? AWC is going to grow, not because of marketing, not because of sermons and lights. AWC is going to grow when we become unscurred. You remember life? Oh, don't be scared. Uh-uh, don't be scared. When we stop being scared of the thing that actually saves people's lives. Think about it this way. How many of you had a conversation with somebody that led you to Christ? You had a conversation somebody that loved you. Somebody loved you enough. Don't cap. Y'all didn't meet him on your own. Baby, I met him by myself. No, you didn't. Somebody loved you enough to share with you. It was on TBN or the Word Network. What if they were too afraid to approach you? I'm not saying you wouldn't have known Christ, but you might have lived your life in bondage for a couple more years. How many of you are living around people in your life that are bound right now and you have the keys? I'm raising my hand. How selfish is that? I don't want to mess up the friend group. Really? Me sharing Jesus makes you unfriend me? That's actually a blessing. It lets me know where we stand. But if me sharing Jesus with you makes it that we can't be friends and I stay, my actions are speaking louder than yours. Somebody say transformation. transformation. This is the title of my sermon. This is the title of my sermon. I'm, I'm going to read and then I'm going to give you the title. Some of y'all are like, if you don't get the title, I ain't going to know what he's saying. It's okay. I'm, just, just check with me. Later that same day, Jesus has given them all of the rules about discipleship. The disciples go out into all the world and they realize that there are some people that want nothing to do with what they have to say. So they come back to Jesus. Now remember, Jesus likes to talk in, can somebody say parables? These are short stories, but based on how you see the parable will prove what you get out of it. Like it doesn't say do A, B, C, and D. Like he speaks in circles so that you can get it. I'm hoping that you can get it here. So they come back and they're like, Jesus, what the heck is going on? Like, why can't we, like, I'm, I'm, we can't cast out demons and all these other things. This is, listen to this. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables. Listen to this. Jesus says, listen, and I want, like, literally visualize this. Like, like, like let's, let's not look at the word of God and be like, oh, this is boring. Like, like let's look at, at it as a motion picture in your mind. Because the word of God is still speaking. It's just based off of your lens of how you see it. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, don't be bored. Poke them. Say, wake up. Everybody scream at the top of your lungs on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Okay, you're up. All right, wake up. Listen, a farmer went out 
to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across whose field? Whose field? Some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and did what? Other seeds fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon did what? Wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds uh, fell among thorns that grew up and did what? Choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as, they, as, as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's the only part that you have ever taught preached. If they ain't got ears, leave them. But we miss everything that was said in verses 3 through 9. So we will begin to use the scripture to justify leaving people in the dust, but it's not the word of God. Can I prove to you in the word of God that you don't have the right to walk away from people, even if you're justified, even if it sucks, even if you're with, in, in, in relationship with him? His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables? And this is what Jesus says. Underline this. Jesus says, you were permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even that little understanding that they have will be taken away from them. Now, I want to show you something. The scripture is very descriptive, but I want to show you practically how this makes sense, okay? Can you throw my art up, please? Now, when we look at this, we understand that there are what, like, can somebody hold up four fingers? There are four different types of soil, right? We've got the footpath. What else do we got? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's look at all of these different types of soil as the people in your life. Every person in your life, you have a person that's a footpath. They hard. Ain't nobody coming in. Ain't nobody coming out. It's about the grace of God that they like you. But anybody else, I don't mess with them. They're the type of friend that when you ask them, like, hey, you want to come over to the cookout, they ask who's going to be there. It's not because they care about who's there. They just don't want to nook if you book when they show up to the crib. Okay. Got shallow folks. There are people that are really, really wide and act like they know a lot, but they only know this much about what they know. Very wide, very wide, but very shallow. They're the types that will say, well, if I was you, I would, but they don't have any experience. Okay. Thorny. These are the people that in their nature are just unagreeable, and I feel like that is coming out of everybody. Like, you... Your character, like I can't even agree with your soul. Like your breath doesn't even agree with you. I think some of the reason why people don't wear masks is because their breath is on 10. And it's disrespectful to them. I'm just being honest. Oh, trust me, you know them. As soon as they start talking to you, you do this. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. But then you got fertile people. Fertile are the people that we actually should be doing relationship with. But the people that we choose to do relationship with by default are the rest. But every single one of these people has ears, hearts, and expectations. Let's break them down. Footpath person, their ears are closed. I don't want to hear nothing you had to say. Their hearts are closed as well. Doesn't matter what you tell me, I'm not going to hear it. And if I don't hear it, I'm not going to change. Which means that their expectation to know Christ is none. There are some people in your life 
It doesn't matter what you do, how you do it. Jesus could walk into the room. It doesn't matter. They're not going to want to know him. But that doesn't mean that you stop casting seed. Next row of people are, they know a whole bunch of stuff but know nothing. Their ears are only because they want to hear enough to be able to debate you. Isn't it interesting the people that want to debate don't know what they're talking about? A person that knows what they're talking about usually doesn't say much. Here's a PSA announcement. The person that's quiet in the room, you should probably back back from them because they probably know things you don't. It's the reason why your boss is quiet when you're talking to them about getting a raise, but you still paperclips. Okay. Shallow people, their ears are open. Their hearts are open. But their expectation is, is what? Skeptical. I want to hear about Jesus. Jesus is great, but I think that Jesus is a woman. Huh? But why can't he be a woman? I believe in energies and crystals. And it's just like, but, okay, your heart is open, your eyes are open, but you only want to know this much about my God so that you can debate me. But guess what? Look at your neighbor say, keep sowing. Next people are thorny. Their ears are, their hearts are, Closed. It says that the, some seeds went amongst thorny soil, and what happened? As things started to grow up, they choke it out. This is the person in your life whose expectations about God are damaged. Gail, you know God doesn't work. Oh, Auntie, you asked this question. Auntie, what happened? And if she was honest with you, she would tell you that she prayed for her father to be cured from cancer and he died. And that damaged her relationship with Christ. And now based off the damage that they have, they begin to choke out any new person that knows Christ. That sounds like the religious church person. Somebody just gave their heart to Christ. They're happy, but they, but they show their ankles. <laughs> or they wear flip-flops. Hey, baby, you can't wear that. And now we have stifled and choked out the fledgling of love that God has for somebody because of our rules. Sweetheart, your skirt isn't, isn't long enough. I just met God yesterday. You've been saved for 70 years. Like, teach me. And when you teach me, don't do it in person, in, pub, in public, in front of other people to embarrass me. You know you shouldn't be wearing that. What? Why, why do you think they would come back? People don't like going to the grocery store and being told what to do. Sir, you're, you're bringing that up. Right? I know what I'm doing, right? So why would somebody that's walking in the doors who is literally broken, you see it, you smell it all over them, there's blood all over them in the spirit, why would you try to tell them something about themselves they already know? And we as Christians, because we know so much, we can begin to damage people based off of our experience. I want to write this down on your, on your heart. Before you go out and try to reach other people, you got to deal with your expectations of the God that you're trying to represent. Because if my relationship with Christ is broken, it will be impossible for me to give people the right type of Jesus. I'm going to give Jesus the bitter type for me. you got to deal with yourself. Look at your neighbor say, deal with yourself. But then this is my favorite. There's fertile ground. Somebody say fertile. fertile. Guess what? Look at your neighbor say, all the doors are open. Every single one of us has somebody in our lives whose ears are open, ready to hear the gospel. Their hearts are ready, to, and they're open. And guess what? Their expectations 
they're vacant. They're looking for something that's not alcohol. They're looking for something that doesn't end after 15, 20, 30 minutes and then end in shame. Like they're looking for something, but guess what? You're the only person that has it. Is this good? Let, let me share with you the title of my message. Look at your neighbor and say, just keep sowing. I want to break something down in this verse that you probably have never read before. We always read, and those who have ears, let them hear. But if we never speak to them, their ears won't work to hear it. Some people are never going to see this on post-product uh, post YouTube. They're going to see it and hear it when you have coffee with them. And guess what? You have relationship with your friends more than I do as a pastor. You guys have relationship amongst one another more than even small groups. Yes, people show up to small groups, but you're not going to share your deepest and darkest in a small group. You share it with your girlfriend or, or, or your guy friend or, your, or the homies at their kitchen table. But if you never share with them the kingdom of God, they can't, you can't blame them for not living correctly. Look at your neighbor and say, just keep sowing. The word of God says in verse 8, verse 4, and this blew, when I tell you all this blew my mind as I was studying this week. As he scattered them across whose field? His field. Write this point down. You are responsible to tend to your field. So what's my field, Pastor Josh? Okay, Mr. Skeptical. You thorny. I feel it prickly all up in here. Your field is your family. It's your friends. Those you have a relationship with. Instead of asking the question that the, uh, the prophet and the Levite asked in the Samaritan story, what will happen to me if I help them? We need to ask the question of the Samaritan. What's going to happen to my friends if I don't display the love of God with them? Every time y'all around each other, you're gossiping about other people? Every time? And it's always the same four people all the time? Every time you're together, but you're saved. Every time you hang out, it has to be with a glass of Moscato? Well, the, the, the Bible says not to be a drunkard. Yeah, but come on. He also didn't say that you don't, don't shoot uh, hamsters into the toilet. Like, he doesn't have to say it verbatim, but you know certain things are not good to do because it's conviction. But this is the part that got me, Jason. If the farmer never casted seed in his field, God would not be responsible for them not being planted. The farmer was responsible. I got asked a question a couple days ago, and they said, why do you think that bad things happen to good people on earth? If God is so loving and kind, why do you think this happens? And I got it in the scripture. God is not responsible for the turmoil on earth. <laughs> this conversation of what's happening in the Middle East, which is literally 45 kilometers away from where Jesus was born, Pakistan, Jerusalem, Israel. We try to make it like super like heavy, but no, everywhere that these wars are being fought is where Jesus walked. Significance? I think so. But Jesus doesn't really care about war if he can get your heart. So a friend asked me, he said, so why do you think all these bad things happen if God exists? And now I have my answer. So if you're watching this morning, this is my answer. The earth is your field. God has never planted a seed on earth. He planted people, which is you. Glory to God. Somebody, it went over some of y'all head, but some of y'all, this is revelation for your life. This is revelation for you. God is not going to plant a seed that takes care of corruption in politics. God, God is not going to plant a seed that deals with children being, being trafficked. You go into Target with your baby, you walk out empty-handed. Yeah. 
Like, kids are getting snatched up. That's not a reflection of God's love. Write this down. Everything bad that is happening in the world is a reflection of bad farmers. Sowing the wrong seed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is, y'all, can, I share, can I share something with y'all? That was the Holy Spirit all day. I'm teaching myself now, so just ride with me. Every single person, when you come from earth, God gives you a bag of seed. Glory to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God gives you a bag of seed, and he gives you instructions to sow. Well, God, what if they're thorny? Just keep sowing. God, what if they're a footpath and they don't want to hear what I have to say? Them not wanting to listen doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the right to speak. Just keep sowing. Well, she keeps going back to the abusive relationship. Hey, I'm working on her. Just keep sowing. But God, the ground isn't taking my seed. You're not responsible for the ground. You're responsible to sow. Just... Keep so. Pastor Martin did a message once where he um he hit a corn hadouken. You know what that is? Hadouken. He took corn and just like slung it in the crowd. I ain't gonna do that. Um, but it was beautiful because you are responsible for sowing your seed in your field. God's not coming to earth to fix any issue. Let's just stop having that conversation. God's not coming. He's never coming. Look at your neighbor. Look. He's ne- He's not coming back. Jesus went, to, go, Jesus went to, uh, to, to the Air Force, and he's not coming back, baby. You know, daddy went around this corner to get cigarettes, and he never came back. You know, like, he's not coming. He's not coming. <laughs> he's not coming back. God is not coming back to earth. So much so that he's not coming to earth to get us. He's going to stay in heaven. A trumpet's going to blow, and we're going to him. And then guess what happens once we go to him? He's going to re-equip us to send us, guess where? Right back down to earth. So maybe the reason why everything is happening on the earth with killing and robbing and all these different things that are terrible, it's not God. It's that people in high positions that you should be in are sowing the wrong seed. This is the kingdom, okay? This is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here, this is it, y'all. And I know I'm over time, but I really want you to understand something. Your friend group of alcoholics, and I know, like, why do you keep talking about them? Because we don't do the stuff in the Bible. Like, we're not stealing people's goats. We drink. Unless you got friends that steal goats, which I have a question of, but we'll not talk about that. You know what I'm saying? We underwrite our taxes and lie to the government. That's what we do. We're fleshly, right? Every single one of you in this room, I literally, right now in the spirit, and listen, I'm not a ooky spooky person. I don't try to, like, prophylize because I, I don't, in three days... You're going to be in a house, and there's a kitchen in the house. Like, I don't, that's stupid. Okay. But I really literally in this room see bags of seed over every person's heads that are full. And you're asking God to show up in situations that you need to sow into. You can't drive by the boys and girls club and be upset because they're full to capacity and boys are still getting shot in the street. Start the nonprofit. Whoa, oh, have the qualifications. Listen, I didn't go to seminary. I ain't got no type of formal seminary, but I got, um, I got this uh, 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 degree from the, the U of M, University of Martin. <laughs> he taught me this thing. Look at your neighbor say, just keep sowing. Evangelism is not about 
you watering. Write this down. This is my last point. If you sow, they'll receive and he'll water. If you sow, they'll receive. But look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor literally and say, you're not responsible to water. Guess what? Even if you could water, our water doesn't have life. Jesus met a woman at the well. Jesus is so dope. And he asked, he asked her, he said, you, t- you tired of sipping Bacardi? I mean, he didn't say Bacardi, but like I'm trying to make it relevant, you know, because if it's not relevant, we don't go to church. Okay. But he said, are you tired of drinking? And he said, let me introduce you to some water that once you sip this, you ain't never going to have to sip on nothing else. <laughs> like how I did that? I think Jesus is like a hood rat from like New York. Hey, yo, B. Let me talk to you, son, my guy, my guy. Facts, G. You tired of being thirsty, dog? Let me introduce you to some water, brother. Quarter waters from across the soil. When you get the hot sandwiches, bro, no, it's nothing, G. It's nothing, bro. It's nothing but this water right here, son. This water right here, son. You'll never thirst again. If you drink this, bro, you think this? Your marriage will get better. You drink this, addiction. Like, you'll look at the crack and be like, I'm cool. Like, you drink, you drink, look, somebody say, you drink this, your life, your life has to change. Our job isn't to force people to drink water. Our job is to just show them that there's water available. You know, you don't have to live like that, right? There's water over here. That's sewing. You ain't got to live like that. It's water. But if we go and try to take people like, come to the, come, drink this water, that's religion. Think about it. Jesus has never kicked down a door anywhere. The word of God says that he stands at the door. He knocks. Because he, he's a gentleman. God, God is better than your, your past boyfriend. Like, God is better than your current husband. God is better than me to my wife. God is a better person. If, if, if Vanessa really met God, I would be out of a job. Why? Because he's better than I am. He's smarter than I am. He comes without sin. He'll never hurt her. I'm going to hurt her. It's inevitable. I'm a man. But God is, he's not man. He's not a man that he would lie. So when God said, if you keep sowing, I'll catch some of them, you're not responsible to water. I need about 10 to 15 people to stand up to your feet and say that I am going to begin sowing. Go. That's it. That's it. You're responsible to sow. If you sow, they'll receive. And guess what? God's going to water them. There's some of you in the room, you've been praying for a family member to come to Christ for years. But you're trying to force water them. I got dry patches in my grass today, uh, a couple days ago, and I've been watering. When I tell you I've been watering, where's Chris at? Chris cuts my grass, and we, we've been having a fight with this grass, bro. It seems like everybody's grass is green except for mine. And it's not the analogy. It always seems green on the side, uh, the side of the fence. No, it is. <laughs> oh, but it is. <laughs> oh, when I'm true with you. <laughs> um, and I was like, God, like, what is going on? And I don't know if you know this, but as I was preparing last night at around uh, 1230 a.m., it started raining. But this rain was different. Anybody outside at 12.30? Maybe not. Y'all sleep. Kent, those raindrops were fat. 
I thought hail was hitting my house. But I walked outside and the areas where my homemade sprinkler system would miss, the rain covered. God is, God is hilarious. You cannot cover the dry places in people's lives. All you're responsible for is somebody say the seed. There are some of you, you have a son right now. Okay, chill out. Okay, you have a son right now that's deep. I mean, deep. He's so deep in his sin and his ocean, the pressure's too much for you. Your job's not turned. That's not your job. Start sewing. You know what sewing looks like? Every time you walk past his door, just touch the door. God, he's yours. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this boy. Somebody say, he's yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're looking at your wife or your husband and you're hoping that they fill that gap, don't try to force water on them. Just keep sewing. Start talking to them in the way that you want them to be. You're the best person I married. Girl, you crazy. I'm crazy. I know, but I'm, I'm speaking in the future. That crazy pastor on Sunday said to say, you're the best thing. Oh, God, he takes showers every day. Um, this right here, I'm built for this, y'all. I, I plan to give my entire life to this thing called ministry, making the difficult things in the Bible practical. Because if I do that, I don't get my crown. But if you go and teach the good news of the kingdom with other people, I feel like God's gonna look at me and be like, that's my boy. It's not about how cool I am. It's about how effective you are. But I'd like to pray with you this morning. Not an altar call, it's gonna be right there at your seat. How many of you know that there are people in your life that they don't necessarily, we want them to come to AWC because you don't got what they need. Like we, we got some stuff here, small groups and serving and, and teaching them how to like walk in freedom. But how many of you guys know I'm responsible for the first conversation? I'm, I'm, I'm responsible and I've been slacking. I can't stand Tammy in that corner cubicle, but she needs Jesus. What if the promotion at your job wasn't about writing a better prospectus? It was about sharing Christ with your boss. Yeah, because the reason why they're so hard-hearted is because they don't know Jesus. It's not because you're not a good worker. How many of you in the room are looking for God to anoint you with new oil and anoint your seed? Because he's not giving you more seed. You don't get no more seed. You don't get to uproot from this family and get new seed. Oh, I don't like them. Give me. No, no, no. There's no such thing as a bad batch of seed. There are only bad sowers. And a bad sower is a person that sits with seed. I have what people need in Christ, but I'm too afraid to share it. I want to anoint you this morning from Christ, not me. I don't have anything to give you. I have nothing to give you. I'm not, I'm not a holy man. I'm, a, I'm walking in holiness, but like, I'm not like a, I don't have nothing for you. It's Christ. I'm just trying to introduce you. This is evangelism too. But how many of you guys want a new anointing to reach the people around you effectively? I mean, effectively. When they come over to the house for dinner, it doesn't have to be weird, but as they're eating, what if while they were eating, they burst into tears and they're like, can you help me? You know they're broken. They know they're broken. But God wants to meet them in their brokenness. Glory to God. Let's pray a prayer right there. And don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Pray for them. Open up your mouth and call them out right now. Do it. Do it. Sow the seed. God, I thank you for my cousins in Mississippi. God, I know that for some of them, life is it's, it's difficult. I can't even relate to it. But God, if you created the earth, you created them. So God, I'm just sowing a seed. I throw love to them this morning. I throw hope to them this morning. Come on, pray for that person. Like that person who led you to Christ prayed for you. God, they are the head and not the tail. God, that anything in their life that is not correct, that is not up and down, God, make it straight in Jesus' name. Here we go, lift your hands. God, I ask that you would anoint each and every person that is in this room. 
that we would come back to this organization with an empty bag. We would come back to this organization. We would go into our homes. We would go into our schools. We would go into our workplaces and just begin throwing seed everywhere in the spirit. And God, your responsibility is to water them. So God, we ask that you would anoint every single person that is in this room, that you would anoint them to go into the world and become the great sower like you are. And God, that's our fields in Jesus' name. Everybody said what? Everybody said what? We love you. See you next week.